Corinthians in chapter number 9. Once again, Pastor sends his greetings. He said the meeting is going very well there in Missouri as he's with um, Brother Abel's there in Springfield, Missouri, preaching a missions conference for him. And so the family is doing well. They're going to be heading back um, early this next week. Be in prayer for them for traveling mercies. But once again, he sends his greetings, praying for the church, praying for the services today. And um, go ahead, turn your Bibles there to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll begin reading in verse number 24. It's always a privilege to be able to preach God's Word. Pray that we can learn what God has for us this morning. Verse number 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as we begin there. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's go ahead and pray one more time and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we need your help this morning. We need you to work. Only you can speak. I pray that you would empower me, that I would preach your message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Many people expend their life's energy, expend their life's resources on things that are necessary. We also like to spend time on things that are fun, things that um, have no real significance. Why? Because we talk about taking a break, doing other things. Um, the most common illustration that comes to my mind is actually the illustration that Paul uses here in this text, and that would be of sports. It's been said that sports is a wonderful thing because you can expend all your passion. You can be as passionate as you want about a sports team, and it's not going to come back and bite you. It's not going it, to, it doesn't really matter tomorrow. I mean, the baseball season is just starting. And if you follow the sports world at all, they've been talking about how the Yankees for sure are going to win the World Series. No, the Red Sox are going to repeat. It's going to be, no, the truth of the matter is, nobody knows. They just, it's their job to talk about it, okay? There's, but people put a lot of effort, a lot of energy. Sports, it's a multi-billion dollar industry about contests that really don't matter. When it actually comes to what happens tomorrow, when it actually comes to your life, does it really matter who won the Super Bowl to, uh, last, last year or who's going to win the baseball game today or whatever it is? Sports are wonderful, we would say, because they don't matter. You can miss the shot with no real consequences. When I was in college, I... Um, we played pickup ball in the gym or whatever, and sometimes we'd have an intramural league. And I remember twice, this happened to me twice, in two different games, we were playing basketball. And I, I stink at basketball, okay, but I like to play. So I was there, and we were playing basketball, and the game came down. We were down by one. 
It was under 30 seconds to play, and I was at the free throw line with two shots. That means we had the opportunity to take the lead. And both times, I missed both free throws. Why? Because I'm not very good at basketball. Both times, my team lost because I couldn't hit the free throw. But you know what? That really doesn't matter. Do I think about it today? Not at all. Other than to laugh about it. It doesn't, all it does is make a good story. Why? Because I could, now, I could have taken time that I should have been studying and I could have practiced so I could hit those free throws. But would that have mattered? No, because that area of life is something that is, it has, this is what it is. It has no eternal significance. It can be fun. It can be enjoyment. But it's something that has no eternal significance. The problem is, in our lives, we can become overly concerned with the things of this world. Even things that are necessary, like work, like food, like sleep. Hey, if you mess up with those things, it's going to affect your life. If you don't sleep right, you're going to hurt your body. If you don't eat right, you're going to hurt your body. If you don't work, you're... Work is God-given. He gave work to us before the fall. He gave Adam and Eve work to do in the garden before sin. Okay? Work is important. But even things that are necessary to this life can begin to take our attention and begin to take where we spend our life's efforts, where we spend the ability God has given us on those things, and we can begin to lose focus on the race that God has given us to run. We can lose our focus on our walk with God and things can begin to slip. You see, this is the book of 1 Corinthians. Many of us have read through it several times. But the city of Corinth was not necessarily what we would say the ideal place to start a church. It was a wicked city. It was... Uh, a heathen city, there was all kinds of, uh, not only just immorality and that type of sin, but there was a thought process, the humanism even that we deal with today was prevalent in the city of Corinth. And Paul had gone there and he had spent a year and a half starting a church. People had been saved by the grace of God. There was a church there now. There was people going to this church. There was, they had a duty to reach out to their city with the message Of the gospel. But carnal ideologies, carnal behavior was beginning to um, not just seep, but to sweep through the Corinthian church. That there was many things going on. This church was proud of the, um, the things God had given them. And they were beginning to fail to realize the many dangerous issues that were beginning to take root in their church. And so Paul is writing this letter as a wake-up call. He's saying, this is a reality check. Let's see where you actually are. You think yourselves very spiritual. But this is where you actually are. Reality checks are never fun. It's never fun. I remember, I, I run a little bit, very little bit. But when I was first starting to run, I had gotten an app for my bike. And so I was like, ah, running, biking, no big difference. I'll use the biking app for my run. And so I did a run and I looked after it. Ah, I feel pretty good. I looked down on my app and said, you did four and a half miles in 24 minutes. I'm like, wow. 
I did a lot better than I thought I did. I'm doing really good. Man, I felt so proud of myself. And then um, I was talking with my brother Stephen. He was like, no, this is the app you need to use. You need to use uh, this certain app. It does a very good job. So I got out there with uh, this better app and I started running. I got through about a quarter of the run and I'm like, it said I was like two miles at this point. You have run .75 miles. I'm like, I got part, I was, I was dying by the end of the run. Not literally, but I was like, man, welcome back to reality. I'm, I'm not as good a runner as I thought I was. That's just running. Paul's saying, you aren't where you are spiritually where you think you are. Wake up. If you're, if you don't start paying attention, um, there's, e- there's eternal matters at stake here, Corinthian church. And see, the church was full of division. That's the first chapters in Corinthians. They were beginning to follow personalities instead of Christ. And Paul was reminding them, no, it's, it's in the power of the gospel that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. It's not in your wisdom. It's in the power of the gospel. And you need to glory not in yourself but in who Jesus Christ is and how great God is. Not only are you beginning to follow different, um, beginning to think of yourselves and start your little cliques and have, um, well, we follow Apollos and, well, we follow Paul. And you had a special, we follow Christ. Okay. All of them were beginning to divide themselves and set themselves, comparing themselves among themselves. The Bible says they were not wise. That's from this book. And they're saying, listen, no, um, it is only by following Christ that you can be what you need to be. You need to get your focus back on Christ. And because their focus wasn't on Christ, there was terrible moral and ethical issues and problems in the church. I mean, Paul wrote and said, even in the city of Corinth, that would be considered outrageous what you're allowing in your church. And you're saying, look and see what we can allow because of the freedom and the grace of God. He's saying, wait a second. Corinthian believers, what are you thinking? This isn't what it's about. Um, you are in First Corinthians chapter six, verse number twenty. He reminds him. He says, "Ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's." If you've been saved, um, even today, if you are saved, you do not belong to yourself. You belong to God, and your life should be lived according to that. That our lives should represent God, that God has given us a mission to fulfill, and that's what we are to be about, not about ourselves. We don't belong to ourselves, we belong to God. And they had allowed the moral and the ethical, so they were taking one another to court over petty issues, and instead of just dealing with it themselves. And their carnality had begun to lead the, these believers, this Corinthian church, to be very concerned with their rights and their privileges as saved people. Their their knowledge had begun to puff them up. In chapter number 8, Paul begins to talk about meats offered unto idols. And how that the one brother would say, well, I mean, an idol is just an idol. So I can go and and they... Um, I can eat that. And a, then a weaker brother, the Bible talks about, who had before had worshipped that idol before he got saved. He's like, why are you going back in and eating that meat? That uh, it was offending the younger brothers and making it um, difficult for them to continue serving the God. Is saying, what's the difference here? Like, 
It's, it's no big deal. I can, I'm saved. I, I can't lose my salvation. I can do whatever I want. And what they were doing was putting their, what they wanted to do, their privileges or their rights over top of the, the, um, the effectiveness of the gospel. They were putting their privileges over top of sharing the gospel at, with other people. So starting in chapter number nine, Paul begins to remind them saying, listen, am not I an apostle? I've seen the resurrected Lord. I was personally trained by Jesus Christ. I had, there are certain privileges and rights that should come with being an apostle. There are certain things that I should be given as an apostle. I should be able to say things and people should be able to listen. He uses the, um, the, um, he talks about how he would come into a church. And as the God has ordained in, in His Word that those who um, serve the ministry should live of the ministry, that it is biblical for a church to take care of their pastor. And Paul said, I, for the sake of the gospel, I didn't even take anything from you. I didn't take any finances. I worked myself. I took from other churches who give to me so I would not offend the gospel so that you couldn't say, Paul's just doing this for money. So I went without so you would understand that. He's saying that the gospel was the most important thing. He had made himself a servant of all for the gospel's sake. In verses chapter, in verses 15 through 23, he begins to talk about how he became the servant of all. Now many people take these verses and they bend them to say whatever they want. And they say, Paul said, to the weak I became as weak. So that means that we should act like sinners so we could get the sinners in. That's not what Paul's talking about at all. What Paul is talking about is that he's saying, I, would, I am willing to pay any price from my own comfort to avoid hindering the gospel of Christ. If I have to withstand from eating certain foods because I'm with the Jewish people, I'm going to do that because I don't want to offend them. I want to be able to tell them about Jesus Christ. If I'm going to be with some Gentile people, you know, the law is fulfilled. I no longer have to, I will eat pork. I will eat what I have to do so that I can witness to them and I can talk to them within the laws of Christ, he says. But it's because Verse number 23, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul saying that my greatest desire was for people to hear the gospel and be saved. That I'm willing to give up my own comforts. I'm willing to give up even privileges and rights that I have so that people can hear the gospel. But Paul was not just writing a letter to the church at Corinth to tell them about how he, he lived his life. He's been saying, well, this is what I've done. You know, think about this a little bit. He's writing the book of 1 Corinthians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is what God is saying to that church and to us today. He was writing to warn and to challenge them. How they were living their new lives in Christ. Because how they lived their life had eternal consequences. How they were to live their new lives in Christ. And he begins to give some illustrations of how that should look. He says, number, he says we need to be concerned about the end goal. Here, pick it up. Verse number, verse number 24. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race... Run all, 
but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Now, in the, that area around Corinth was second only to the, to the Olympic Games. The games were held several times every two years there at Corinth, and they were, um, it was almost as important as the Olympic Games, but it was something that they would be very familiar with. The athletes would spend at least ten months training for this one event. And everyone was familiar with the idea of racing and um, of the sports of the different sports that they would have. You see, in the Corinthian games, all the participants were striving for a single crown. Paul saying, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. There's a race. In order to have a race, you've got to have more than one participant. Okay? Otherwise, we call it a run or a jog. Okay? So there was multiple people who had dedicated their lives to training for this race. And I don't know if you've ever seen an actual race. Maybe you've seen some of the Olympics on TV or something like that. But to the amount of training that people put into that was incredible. And they put it and they were striving for something. Every one of those racers, everyone who lined up and was ready to go when, it said, when they said go and would run the prescribed course. They didn't determine what they ran. There was the race course and they were going to run that course to determine who was going to get the prize. Who was going to get the prize? The prize of those type of games would have been a wreath made out of, out of, of pine cones and we're going to, or not pine cones, pine needles, something like that. But they expended every effort to gain that prize. They were straining. They had practiced for that. They had worked for that. They were exerting every effort. There's, there's one thing where you're going on a run by yourself. But there's something totally else when you have somebody or a group of people running beside you and there's a prize to be gained. Is there, is there not? There's something about competition in ourselves that brings out our best effort. That makes us uh, just go a little harder, a little longer. And Paul's saying, Know ye not that they which run in a race, in a race that's going to be over in a couple minutes, maybe if it's a marathon, a couple hours. They run for a prize. Then he gives them a command. So run that ye may obtain. Attain, this is the implication, is significant effort or to run then in such a way as to take the prize. It isn't just participate. It is to bend your every effort, is to strain every fiber of your being to reach out and grab that crown. Um, the swimmer Michael Phelps talks about the one time he got um, silver in one of the races. He said, I didn't kick that last time. I tried just to float in, and he was that milliseconds late and got silver. If he had just gone one more time, he would have gotten the gold. That's what Paul's talking about here. Run that ye may obtain. Strain. Go for it. The Christians should live their life for Christ just 
as seriously as the runner takes his race. That's, that's what Paul's saying. You're, and you and I are to live our lives with the goal of winning the prize. That we, that the spread of the gospel is often determined by how we live our lives. That the accomplishment of the mission that God has given His church is often dependent on how we, um, fulfill the duties that God has given us. And Paul is writing to these carnal Christians and saying, listen, you need, this is a reality check. It's, it's, it's not just we're Christians, we're saved. No, no, no. We're, we're in a race here. And it, it's, it's not just a temporal race. He says, what would that look like? Even an athlete would, would dedicate himself to be prepared. Verse number 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Every man that striveth for the masteries is temperate in all things. The idea here, he's striving for the masteries, is talking once again, not necessarily just about a race, but about the different competitions that they would have, whether it be javelin throwing or or, uh, chariot racing, whatever it is. But it was an intense struggle. This wasn't people um, showing up at the basketball court for a pickup game. Oftentimes, people would die in these events, in the chariot races. If, if you did not win, it was a good chance it's because your chariot had tipped over and the horses had run right over you. I mean, it, this was a, a, a great, intense struggle that he was bending every effort for. He was striving for the masteries. He was striving to win that event. This was probably the greatest moment of his life whoever this athlete was. He had looked forward to this. He had trained for this. He had spent his whole life conditioning himself to be prepared for this one event. You know what a basketball game is in America today? It's 30,000 people who desperately need exercise watching 10 guys who desperately need a break. That's what basketball is today. But in our world today, we have so many sports. We have so many games. I mean, a basketball season has, what, 82 games? Baseball has, what, 164? And then we have baseball this season, then there's basketball, then there's football, and it just doesn't... Okay? And what has happened from Paul's day to today is they've kind of lost their significance. A little bit. Well, there's just enough. We can play tomorrow. For these men, there was no tomorrow. It was that game. That is what they had strived for. That is what they had prepared for. Was that game. If you lost it, there was no participation trophy. Only one person was going to get the trophy. And he had dedicated his entire life to be prepared for that contest. It says, whoever, um, verse number 25, it says, Every man, every single athlete that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. The word temperate has this, to hold oneself in, to be chief of oneself, or to make the hearts, make one's heart obedient. Okay? He would be temperate in all things. His food. He, he wouldn't eat the cheesecake. Okay? Ever. 
His every area of his life was temperate, was under control, was bound up by this one thing. There's a game coming, and I'm going to prepare for that game. His sleep, his workouts, everything was regimented. Everything was prepared for that. He spent um, if he got injured, it would be the end. He, he worked, and he worked, and he sweated. The idea of striving also is the same word where we get our words agony from. Okay? That's what it's talking about. He's, if you've ever seen a real athlete training, it sounds like they're dying. They're, they're going for it, and you're like, aren't they going to stop? No. Because they're temperate. In all things, striving for the masteries. What would kill an ordinary person, they were going beyond. Why? Because they had so focused their entire being, everything about their life was tied up in this. I'm striving for the masteries. It was temperate in all things. We, we just don't, in our world of, of social media and that, we have all kinds of, how many athletes have we seen that are not temperate in just about anything and they run on their talent and how long does that, how far does that get them? They can run pretty far, but pretty soon they're on the, um, the ash heap of history, we would say. But even in these games as we are today, how many athletes give themselves and literally give their bodies and still have failed to win the prize? How many pitchers in our world today will throw out their arm before they ever reach the big leagues? And yet, they're still in the minor leagues. They know what's happened to other pitchers. They know what's happened to other athletes. But they're still going to give their best the, the new one coming on is still going to do his absolute best because he has a goal in mind. Even though, even though I may never get there, I'm still going to try. How many football players have hurt themselves in practice, not even for the game, and lost their careers or whatever it is, yet they're going to give their best efforts just to have a chance to compete for the prize. Just to have a chance. Paul's writing to these Corinthian believers and he's trying to, he's saying, these men, these athletes, give themselves entirely to this. Every part of their being is about this and this is what it's for. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. The prize of these games was a simple pine wreath worn on the head. After only a few weeks at best, it would be wilted and gone. All of his effort, all of his sweat, all of his discipline was spent trying to win that prize. A few moments of glory. A few moments of applause. Before the next contest, and there was another winner. And he would be pushed to the side. Athletes give of themselves. They're going to they're um, 
ache the rest of their life. They're never going to be able to walk normally. They're never going to be able... Okay, Why? Because they have destroyed their bodies going after that championship or going after that, how many surgeries or whatever it is. And they're going after something that does not last. Paul is not writing a dissertation on athletic training. That's not what he's doing. Nor is he condemning the effort put in by the athletes. He's using it as an example. What he's doing, he's saying, so run that ye may obtain. Paul is commanding the Corinthian believers to view their Christian life with as great urgency, with as great um, necessity as the athlete viewed his competition. Right? He's saying, look at the end of verse number 25. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Why should a Christian expend all of his life efforts serving for Christ? Why was Paul saying to these Corinthian believers, hey, You need a reality check. We need to get back on course here. If an athlete can spend all of this effort on a temporal prize, shouldn't you be running that you can obtain a spiritual prize? He says, number one, the prize of the Christian will never fade. It's an incorruptible crown. You see, as Christians, we're striving for something that is eternal. But we and incorruptible. The things of this world are not where we should be placing our focus. This is things that we know. This is things that we've been over many, many times. Because the gospel has the power to take a soul on its way to hell and move that soul on to the road to heaven. The greatest thing that you can expend your life effort on is the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is results beyond this world. It's an incorruptible prize. Listen, only by believing on Jesus Christ can you escape the eternal judgment of God. Only by believing on the blood of Jesus Christ can you escape the punishment from hell. That is an eternal decision that you must make. Based on the Word of God, by grace through faith, you can be saved. There is no other option. And the same is true for every person in this world. Whether they grow up in church, or whether they grow up and have never heard the Gospel, the same is true for every person in this world. It is only by the Gospel of Jesus Christ that that person can have their eternal destiny changed from hell to heaven. And after this life, There are no do-overs. There's not next game. There's not second chances. The race that we are in, what we are involved in, has eternal results that are settled. Paul is challenging these believers. Listen. If an athlete can put forth all of that effort... For a pine wreath, a Christian should put at least that much effort for a heavenly prize. Notice he says in verse number 24, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth a prize. So run that ye may obtain. 
in, in, the, in those type of races, only one person could win. Paul's telling the Corinthian believers, listen, it's not that only one person is going to gain heaven. No, that's not what he's saying at all. Nor is he saying that only one of you is going to win a, win a reward, win a crown in heaven. No, it's open for you all. God will reward any Christian who faithfully serves Him when they get to the other, other side. So you have, you have this opportunity. Run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may be able to grasp, grasp that. Should not a Christian put forth as much effort for the sake of the gospel, that's the context of this chapter, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse, um, verse number 12, the end said, Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. That is the context. Paul's saying, I'm going through this suffering. I'm willing to even be wronged so that the gospel is not hindered. Now he's telling the, these believers, shouldn't you put forth as much effort for the sake of the gospel as we would today say someone striving for a piece of metal that's going to rust and sit and collect dust. Paul's saying, you need to run because the, the results of this race, the, the, even the rewards of this race are eternal. What happens because of how you lived your life is eternal. Whether someone hears the gospel or does not hear the gospel, that has eternal consequences. And how you live your life is going to have eternal consequences because God is going to judge you. If you are saved, He's going to judge you by how you lived your life. And there's a reward to be won or there's a reward to be lost by how you live your life. And it's an eternal reward. The results of this are eternal. And Paul gives one more reason. Okay? The re- this, this race, the results of it are eternal. Number two, completing the race is not guaranteed. Completing the race is not guaranteed. Verse number 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul had one purpose, one aim in life. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I therefore run, not as uncertainly. He had a goal in mind. Uncertainly has this idea, aimless. Oh, I think we'll go here today, and then I think we'll go here today. No. It wasn't, ah, whatever way the wind blows, I feel like, um, I feel like running a race today. No, he was saying, so fight I, or, or so run I, not as uncertainly, because we are going after an incorruptible crown, because our prize that we are looking for is heavenly, is eternal, I have that goal in mind. I, I run certainly. I'm running towards that goal. Everything he did, everything he was looking to do was for the sake of the gospel. He was willing to take wrongs. He was willing to put things aside. Why? Because he wanted the gospel to go forth because of the eternal nature of it. He was running with a prize in mind. He says, so fight I, not as one 
that beateth the air. Okay, this speaks of an unskilled boxer missing his opponent. Okay, he's there. And he's like, eh, psh, um, psh. Or it also has this idea of someone expending their efforts without purpose. He's just out there. What are you doing? Who are you fighting? I don't know. Uh, what are you training for? I don't know. What, what are you, um, why, why are you expending your effort? I don't know. It's, I'm just beating the air. I can always beat the air. It never beats back. Paul's saying, that's not how I live my life. There's eternal, there's eternal consequences here. I'm running with a goal in mind. I'm fighting with an enemy in mind. I'm fighting with with a purpose in mind. There's something I'm trying to accomplish here. There's something I'm trying to do. I am not just expending my energy fruitlessly. I'm not just throwing it around. I, I have a precision. If you've ever seen a boxing match... You, you see them, they, they know it, they go back and they're doing, and the jab is leading to a, to, it's a combination, they're going this way, they'll throw this so they can come back with this. It's, it's a, it's really a chess game with what they're doing, with how they can set up their opponent. And Paul's saying, I'm not just throwing my efforts, I'm not just throwing my words out at you, there's a purpose I'm trying to accomplish. Because the, because the race is eternal. But he also says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The idea of subjection is literally to subdue or to um, enslave, but to make something available for service. That's what it's talking about. To make something available for service. He says... I bring under my body. I'm willing to suffer all things so that I can be of service to Christ. I'm willing to allow every, I'm willing to endure the afflictions. Paul went through many persecutions. Now, he's not, when he says keep under my, under his body, he's not talking about hating himself. Okay? He's not talking about trying to destroy his body. That's, that's not what this is talking about. What it is talking about is our heart wants to go its own way. It wants to do its own thing. And he had to bring, make sure that his life was in a place that it was available for service. Because he knew even Paul could miss the prize. He said, except when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is not talking about Paul losing his salvation. That is impossible. Remember, the results of the race are eternal. If you are saved, you are saved for forever. You cannot possibly lose your salvation. But you can lose your rewards in heaven. And even the Apostle Paul, who had literally given his body to be beaten, to be thrown in jail, given everything he had, if anybody had run their race with every fiber of their being, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet he was saying, I've given my body to do that. I keep under. I have an aim in mind. I fight not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, lest, by, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
See, Paul's saying that believers must expend their life's efforts for Christ because the prize is eternal and completing the race is not guaranteed. There's no guarantee that we are going to win the prize unless we exert our efforts, unless we keep under our body, unless we uh, submit ourselves to the way of God. There's a prize to be won. An eternal prize. The problem is we have this tendency. We have, this is what we often do. We're natural men. And people, we lose sight of the eternal nature of this life. We begin to see things as today. We begin to see things as what is mine instead of what is God's. We begin to see things as what affects me instead of what affects the ministry of the gospel. And when that happens, we begin to stop striving for the prize. And when we stop striving for the prize, we could end up a castaway. We could miss it. We could miss the rewards that God has for us. But God reminds us in this text that He will reward those who diligently strive for the sake of the gospel. Simply, we must remember that the gospel is eternal in nature. The results are eternal. You must believe the gospel to be saved. He has given His church the mission to spread the news to souls before it is too late. If an athlete can go through the suffering of training and strive for a piece of metal, should not, or, or the, um, the pine crown, the pine wreath, should not the Christian live in such a way that he is able to win the eternal prize? That God has for you and I. You see, what we must remember is this is not a game. What we talked about at the beginning, sports are wonderful because the consequences really don't matter tomorrow with who won or who lost. But eternal destination of souls is at stake in the work of the church. And Paul was confronting the Corinthians with how they were clouding the gospel with the way they were living their lives. They were beginning, that the way they were living their lives was beginning that they were affecting the way the gospel was going forth. And Paul was reminding him, no, run because there's an eternal prize waiting for you. And run because there's no guarantee that you are going to get that prize. It is worth every effort because the consequences and the results are eternal. Run that ye may obtain. You can lose what God has for you. The blessings, the prize. Or you could be sitting in this room today and you could be hearing about the eternal nature of the gospel, but you have never believed. God has freely offered eternal life to anyone who will accept it. But you can reject God's free offer and spend an eternity in hell. That's what the Bible says. There's an eternal nature to it. You can't run and win your salvation. God is freely offering that. But once you have it, once you have been saved, God is saying, you have 
a race to run. There's work to do. That is sharing the gospel with other people. And you should be willing to expend your life effort for that. Because there's an eternal prize waiting. But completing the race is not guaranteed. You can miss it. When we forget the eternal nature of the race that we are running, we begin to focus on what we want and on ourselves and our wants and our desires. Paul's saying, if an athlete can give all of that for something that's temporal, for something that's corruptible, should not we be willing and this is not, God will, will show you what to do. It's in the context of His church. You serve God through His church. That's how we uh, fulfill the mission that God has given us. But we should be running so that we can obtain. That's, there's a prize to get. The consequences are eternal. But there's no guarantee you're going to win the prize. Will you run that ye may obtain? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that you would challenge each one of us as we live our lives, that we would keep your word in mind, that we'd keep your work in our hearts, Lord, that we would be willing to expend our life's effort, not for something temporal, but for something eternal. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together, we have a moment of invitation. If you need to come forward and pray, now is the time. If you've never been saved, you could get that settled today. You could come forward.